Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today for Superheroes of Science, we're pleased to welcome Ben Taylor. Ben is a project manager at Acres Land Trust. So thank you and welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to be a part of this today. All right, so I think before we find out exactly what you do, we need to know a little bit about what in the world's Acres Land Trust. Yeah, so we are a nonprofit land trust um, based out of Huntertown, Indiana, up in Northeast Indiana. Um, so our mission is to protect land. We protect um, natural features, natural forests, wetlands, um, kind of botching this already, but um, <laughs> but we, we essentially protect natural spaces all over Northeast Indiana. We also protect land in the form of working land. So we do protect some farms and a little bit of timber, but mainly we're protecting um, land in the, kind of the form of what most folks know as a nature preserve. So these are unique forest, wetlands, areas along rivers, kind of up in that area. Um, we do service the tri-state area up that way. So we even have some property in Northwest Ohio and Southern Michigan as well. Okay. All right. Um, you mentioned working land. What is yeah. the difference between working land? What is working land? Yeah, right. That's a that's a weird thing. Um, so working land is, is is almost exactly like what it sounds like. It's it's land that is still utilized to um, make money on it. You know, in Indiana, we have a lot of agricultural land, and we have had families approach us asking um, if they could continue, if we would be able to continue on that tradition of. Um, farming the land, um, but also protecting that land in perpetuity. Um, one thing I forgot to mention about our, our organization is once land comes to us, we protect it forever. Um, so there's not only is it attractive for um, families or other entities to want to protect forests and river, you know, areas along rivers and wetlands, but there's also an interest in protecting, you know, the family farm. Um, and so we've been able to continue on that, that tradition of farming through um, land donation that way. So now for the, the land trust, when you say protect me forever. And so if, um, so if I had a few hundred acres somewhere um, mm -hmm. for protect, so I'd like give it to you guys then, and you guys would what control it. How's it, how's it? Yeah. I've so, heard of land trust because isn't like the potholes in that maybe, part of a, yeah. a land trust thing. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so we primarily own or we primarily protect land through land ownership. So our our organization would have the land donated, the title or the, the deed for that land would come to us and be put in our organization's name. And our organization is structured in a way with our board and our bylaws to protect land as long as we exist and in perpetuity is what we hope that we'll protect that land forever. So once we own it, we don't sell it. Um, we, we might continue that farming or we've even had some families donate us some, some land that had trees planted for timbering purposes, or it was a, a large forest tract somewhere, or like I said, an area along a wetland or a river or something. Um, most of the time we're going after those kind of um, high value conservation areas. What do you mean by high value conservation? 
Yeah. So, you know, our organization, we've kind of identified areas in our state of uh, or our area of the state, our region, um, areas that we we put a higher priority of land protection on. Um, we have conservation areas in the Cedar Creek Corridor. Um, so in northern Allen County and then up into DeKalb County, there is a, a, a river known as Cedar Creek. Um, and we put a lot of initiative into protecting land along that river or just in that watershed in general. Um, we have a few other uh, con- key conservation areas kind of up in the um, the glacial lakes area. You know, we have all these wonderful, beautiful lakes in northern Indiana. So we've kind of got um, some areas that we've we've focused in on in that area. Um, so we've got others, but I'll just I think that suffices for now. What are the benefits then to putting in? Why would why would we put land? Yeah, into why a you trust do that? Forever? Why why would? Yeah, why would we do that? Um, well, there's there's benefits for both people and you know those things that live in on on in those spaces. Um, what we call when it's a benefit to us, we call that ecosystem services. So any any sort anytime there's a benefit um, to people by protecting land, you know we we or having a natural space, we we get those ecosystem services. We get clean air, we get clean water, we have soil, um, better soil health, better soil retention, um, less soil erosion. Um, so we get all these these benefits from protecting these spaces. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, we, we often as people like to focus on what we get out of these natural spaces, but I don't want us to forget about, you know, all the benefits that all those, all those organisms and and wildlife that live in those spaces get, they get a space to live and move about and have their life. And it all kind of cascades into a, a, a overarching, wonderful benefit to us all. Is the, um, the, like the quality of, like you mentioned, soil quality and, and water quality, air quality. Mm-hmm. Those measurements are those shared through your trust? Are those available to the public? How are those? No, available? so um, we are often a, a space. We often are a space for research to go on. So we collaborate or work or work with you know universities, um, research firms. It's mainly through universities, but school groups even mm-hmm. um, that want to conduct research and need a natural space to do that research. We welcome. So we've partnered with Purdue University, Purdue Fort Wayne, um, some other universities where a graduate student wants to has a key question that they want. We've been able to provide that space for them to go in and measure and, you know, conduct and those analysis and collect some data um, to, to learn more about what's going on with, you know, it could be anything from wildlife or just the plant communities that are in those. Um, so we aren't we're a small organization, so we don't have a research staff just dedicated to putting together, you know, all that we're only a staff of 10 people. However, we try to be an open, we, you know, we welcome with open arms research to come and be conducted on our property. So. Uh, all right, let me drill you a couple of uh, <laughs> obnoxious questions. Um, okay. I think it's what I'm known for. Uh, she's not responding. It must be. Um, all right. Two questions. First, how do you manage those? I would assume you don't just like, yep, we bought them. We're just not going to touch them. I assume you there's some sort of management. And yeah. second, how do you know that's for the best? Right. So that two great questions. And I'll start with the first one, because the second <laughs> one is definitely, you know, we'll have to see in 100 years type type deal. Um, but yeah, so we're we don't just 
acquire land and then just put up a fence around it and say, no, 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 we're not, you know, just leave it. So we're definitely conservation minded um, when we acquire land. And a large, a large bit of what we do are managing for invasive species. So um, what makes these spaces unique is, has, is sometimes under threat from introduced, spe- um, introduced plants or sometimes even organisms um, that have spread into our landscape and can, you know, do things like reduce biodiversity or outcompete some of our native plants that our, our communities or wildlife have really depended on. So a large bit of what we do are going into these spaces and and working to control these invasives, cutting them out, treating them. You know, we have a a vast array of tools and um, methodologies that we that we do on those properties. We we are lucky in the fact that we are able to do a lot of that in-house. We have our whole stewardship team that I work on. I'm kind of the project manager of sorts, as I as you introduced me as. So I kind of help facilitate contractors and um, various entities, partners that um, can help us hit the ground running on some of those projects. And then um, not uh, not only that, but we also have some other conservation minded projects where we've had some erosion problems on some banks. So we've worked with um, some you know folks with the USDA or with surveyors and such on coming up with a good project to kind of stabilize those banks and stuff. And um, when you own that many land, a lot of odd things come up. So we're, we're always trying to adapt and, and learn to the, you know, learn new things. So. Oh, and then there was another, there was another question, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 How do you know yeah. that's the best thing to do? Right. And that's, that's, that's difficult to say, you know, right now, um, we're just trying to do the best that science gives us. We, we are constantly seeing what um, peer-reviewed research is coming out to see what best practices we should be doing. You know, we just try to be well-read and keep up to date with what's the latest going on in the field and being open to new ideas and such and realizing that maybe what we were doing five to 10 years ago isn't, isn't the best. So we're just trying to be receptive and, and, and open learners, but you know, in a hundred years, we, we, you know, who knows if we've made the right decision or the right call, but we're, we're really hoping that by, you know, incorporating um, what's going on in the scientific community um, on our properties is going to be uh, helpful in the long term. And uh, what kind of background would someone, if I was interested in doing something like that, what kind of background would I need yeah. to be able to do, to, to be able to help manage mm-hmm. things? Yeah. Like that? So, um, and I, you know, I went to, uh, co- I ended up going to college after I graduated high school. I was very interested in science. So obviously, you know, having an interest in science and an open mind with, with, um, all the different types of scientific re- or, um, disciplines that are out there is, is helpful. But yeah, so I studied, um, I went to Butler university for undergrad. I studied environmental studies and biology, um, both, both, intru- uh, I took classes that, really got me thinking about what what all is going on in our in our world as far as environmentally. Um, and then I, I decided that, you know, I really wanted to pursue a, a, um, a career in conservation. Um, so I ended up going to Purdue University um, and getting my master's of science in forestry and natural resources. Um, so that that really tied in that that um, learning how to, you know, read and understand the landscape and then being able to uh, uh, 
better management, I guess that. And, you know, on our team, we have our stewardship director has a degree in wildlife from Purdue. Um, and then my two other coworkers on the stewardship team, they're, um, they have environmental science and environmental studies background. So definitely wanting to be in that, that natural resource field or the environmental studies or env environmental science field is very helpful to getting into this industry. Politics you got to deal with. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, fortunately for us, because we're a nonprofit, um, we, we, we really don't have to deal with politics all that much. You know, it's, we have people come to us for land, for reasons for protecting land on all sides of the aisle. You know, it's not, you know, we've got hunters and fishermen, we've got environment, you know, conservationists, environmentalists, we've got religious folks with religious backgrounds that, you know, we all agree that protecting land is, is a good thing. So we're pretty fortunate that, you know, today's political climate isn't really up in our face. Mm -hmm. um, so we really don't have to to deal with that all that much, fortunately. Um, we tend to, you know, defer that to other activist organizations or other, organ you know, conservation organizations that are really upfront and about that. But when it comes down to it, we're about protecting land and folks can come to that with their own reasons and, you know, have we can find mutual understanding on that. Well, I guess where I was going more with that, mm -hmm. that was thrown out very blanket wise, but a lot of my things are, I'm thinking deeper in my head. Um, but it's for political wise, it's like if someone wanted to uh, um, take a woods, that's close by, let's say, let, let's, let's say you have like 400 acres of wood somewhere um, mm -hmm. or half that. And you're like, Oh yeah, we want to protect that. Keep that woodland. Are there then other, outside people say well no no that shouldn't be woodland it should be this or that then how do you deal with it if they if it does come up yeah so you know we often are restrained by you know the way we obtain land is often through donations so mm -hmm. it's usually folks with 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 those properties already that are interested in our organization so that kind of helps with a lot of it. Um, but there is occasionally times when we're able to go out and purchase land. Um, we, we can't just buy every piece of land that we want. We have to fundraise for it. We have to look for grants and stuff like that. And oftentimes those entities can um, kind of spell out, you know, the, the property's got to be such and such type or value or size and stuff like that. So it kind of narrows it down. Um, but yeah, there are occasionally, you know, we were able to purchase a land at auction um, last year. And, you know, I, there were probably other groups at that auction that didn't want us to have it because they wanted to, to, to buy it to maybe develop it or, mm -hmm. you know, um, make a hunting refuge or, you know, something like, you know, I'm not sure I didn't go around interviewing everybody, but, <laughs> but I'm sure, but I'm sure that there are, um, organization or you know there are other entities out there that aren't really that interested when acres is involved because they know what we stand for is just protecting land and you know sometimes that that isn't always um development or whatever you know so let's say that i am really interested in helping protect some some land but i don't mm -hmm. have any land to put into a trust what yeah. are some things that that if we don't have land that we can just, that are just good best practice, maybe things to. Yeah. Well, you know, in Indiana, we're very fortunate. Um, 
to have a, a like a, a representative land trust in in your area. So no matter if you live in southern Indiana or northwest Indiana, there is likely a land trust um, that it, that is representative of your area. They they represent the northwest side of Indiana or central Indiana or southwest Indiana or, or what have you. And oftentimes the us the, our organizations we need you know there you can donate. So if you don't have land to donate, you can always donate. You know, uh, money is always very helpful. Like I said, we're we're nonprofits, so um, we do we do rely on on those kind of donations. Um, time as well. Um, we do have a lot of volunteer needs. Um, oh. Keeping an eye on you know some of the properties, or we might have volunteer work days. Um, we have in the springtime, we have, um, there's an invasive species called garlic mustard, um, that has kind of popped up in our, in our forests. And we've had work days where we get a volunteer group out and we go and, um, pull out weeds and try to get as many as we can in a lot amount of time. So really it's reaching out to the organizations like us at acres. And, you know, we, a lot of times have volunteer opportunities, um, so that's a way to get involved as well as, like I said, if you if you have the ability to donate, that that is also another way of being very helpful to uh, a land trust. Now, you said there's land trusts all over, at least in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would take the assumption other states have them, too. Quite a yes. Few. Yes. But is there a if I'm like Sarah said, just interested in the environment, protecting and doing what I can to help the environment and maybe learn a little as I do it? Because it's like I know garlic mustard's bad, but I'm right. not sure what it looks like. It's yeah. like, I mean, it's how do people find out about these opportunities that they could be able to be shown what it is and be able to help out pulling it and stuff. Like yeah. That. So I know just in general the land trust um, realm, if or or field um, in Indiana. You know, I know a lot of our land trusts are are, are doing a lot of. Um, educational events. And I think that there's, you know, following their social medias, following our social media is a great idea to, we've had some invasive species workshops. Um, Not only that, there are other entities in the state um, working on these sorts of things. You know, our DNR, you know, our Purdue Extension offices, they they have, they're really wonderful resources. Um, We, we are, very frequent flyers of the DNR pages and what's going on with our, our Purdue extension office on, you know, uh, educational opportunities and stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, as a side note, you know, I, I, we've been using some drones as a way to monitor our properties. And I actually took a drone class through Purdue. Um, it was like a partnership with the Purdue extension office and, um, forget what I apologize. I'm forgetting on what the other, I think the DNR might've been involved. Um, but anyway, these sorts of things come up. So I, I encourage folks to kind of look out for those. Um, there are other, some, there are other state agencies as well that are wealth of information. As far as invasive species go, um, there's SICM, the state invasive cooperative invasive management. I think I might be botching that, but it's S-I-C-I-M. <laughs> and that entity is set aside to help put together um, cooperative invasive species management areas or SISMAs um, throughout the state. And they have a load of information on their website. Um, so there are there are a lot of ways to get involved and also to learn. So not only just the land trust realm, but also some of the other entities that our state has. So with, with you said 10, you had 10 employees in yours and you're like a regional land trust. How are, how is it funded? How do you, how do you, I mean, I'm assuming you, you're, you're at least getting some paid. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm not working for free, um, which is great. 
Um, so yeah, we, you know, we have to, the organization, even though we're not a profit, we've got to make money. So we, we do a lot of fundraising. So that, that donation, we have a, an advancement team. So we have an advancement director who kind of oversees that whole mission or the people side of the organization, the making connections, working with donors, um, to increase our, our funding capacity. Um, we also do, like I said, we do manage some, some working land. So we're able to offset some of our costs through, um, farm farming. And, um, we haven't done any, um, timbering of recent, but we have some, some land, um, set aside that we will have the option to do that in the future. I'm not sure if we will, um, but we got a, a little bit of that. Um, we also, uh, take advantage of a lot of what we call partner programming. So we do a lot of, um, conservation programming through USDA programming. Um, a lot of that can be, th- a lot of times is through like the conservation reserve program. Um, so we're able to, to tap into some of those funds and, um, there are lots of times grants available. So we're always um, looking out for, for different grants for funding opportunities. So, um, we have to take a very wide breadth approach to, uh, to funding this because obviously owning, you know, a lot of land costs money and then to have the people to, to, uh, steward and, and take care of that land also costs money. So how often do you get to be in the field? Uh, for me, I, I, I'm pretty fortunate. I get to be out in the field quite a bit. However, um, you know, I can go a few weeks where I'm in the office making phone calls, working on contracts, you know, contacting contractors. And then I could be out in the field doing, um, helping with some invasive species management to, you know, how to implement, you know, implementing a new restoration project or something like that coordinating. So it's, it's probably pretty 50, 50. I, I get a nice mix of it, which is, pretty nice yeah uh, yeah anytime you get a job where you can work outside that's yeah uh, that's awesome yeah all right i like that yeah all right this is just this has been enlightening i i i guess i've heard of a trust land trust yeah. before but i really never knew yeah exactly what they were and what they did and so this has been enlightening thank you yeah I'm, thank you for having me i uh encourage you to look out for your own land trust you know Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down!